All right. But I, I am excited to start our new series on parenting, and it comes with some trepidation. Here's the deal. I'm going to say things throughout this series that may poke you. I'm going to say things throughout this series that might feel like I'm talking to you. I've said this before in other areas, and I'll say it again in this. What I'm doing in this is I'm talking to myself. And if you happen to be stung in the hearing of it, like I was stung in the preparing of it, then so be it. Um, because that's God's doing, right? Um, but I'm not, I'm not up here sharing things in a way that should bring any judgment or harshness as much as I'm sharing what I can clearly discern from God's word that I wish, I wish I excelled at as a parent and I want you to excel at as a parent. So we're gonna go through this together. I'm on this journey with you, right? Uh, and, and I can imagine that um, for those of you that don't have young children at home that you might start to wonder, okay, so what am I gonna do for the next four weeks? Trust me, trust me. There are things here for you. Um, as as um, parents of adults or um, grandparents or those that may have um, children in the future or may foster or adopt children in the future, um, there are things here for you. Um, also, also, this is God's word and God's word is always instructive for us. And so when we talk about guidelines for parenting, these are just true things for us to know. And then the final thing I would say to you is simply this. If you call Blessed Hope Community Church home, and this is the, the place where you worship, then what you have done is you have entered into a family. And in this family, we care for, support, encourage, nurture, and come alongside one another in grace and in truth. And that means whether or not you have children that you are actively parenting, parts of your body do and they need you as well. And so we're excited to jump into this series because this is a big deal. And if you have children or grandchildren, um, then your responsibility doesn't get more important than this. The psalmist tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands, which apparently is a good thing. Um, I'm not a warrior. I don't hunt. I did do archery in gym class once. I did not hit the target. Uh, we had a men's, um, a father's and son's small group where we went and did archery as one of the activities. Uh, Tracy uh, Davis and Chad Kristoff led that. And I think I did okay. Chad's nodding his head in, in humor. Nailed it, buddy. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's quiver. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. There's a lot of words there simply that mean this. Children are meant to be a blessing, a reward from God. Those of you with children are thinking maybe, God, I could do with a little less blessing. Or when does it kick in? When does it start exactly? Because this is hard. It is not for cowards. But listen to me. Children are a blessing. 
and we are to be stewards of them and we are to raise them well. And so as we dig into this, um, I, I hope that you know that uh, we, we, will, we will laugh at some of the mistakes that I've made um, in, in hopes that some of you will recognize some of the mistakes that you've made. Um, and if that's the case, um, here's what I wanna give you in encouragement. It's not too late. Your children are in high school and it hasn't gone the way that you've wanted it to go. It's not too late. Your children are out of the house. They're wandering as prodigals. It's not too late. Listen to me. The grace of God covers a multitude of our mistakes. Right? The grace of God is deep and rich. Don't despair about your mistakes. Don't despair about the times when you've fallen short. The grace of God is rich. And as we learn from his word, there will be things that we can apply starting now that will help us to grow in this and will help us to begin to attack these things in a fresh way. But don't despair. The grace of God is rich and trumps your mistakes. Don't panic. Lean in trust. But if you've got young ones at home, then dig deep because listen to me, it is far easier to raise a child than it is to repair an adult. That's just the way that it is. It is far easier for you um, to raise your children in the way that they should go, to train them up and teach them in the way they should go than it is to backtrack as adults. If our children are adults, listen to me, don't panic. Don't despair. God's grace is rich. But if you've got little ones at home, dig in deep because it's far simpler. All right, I'm gonna ask you this question. Some of you would know the answer to this because I've said it before, but, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Um, what is, think about this, what is your number one priority for your children or your grandchildren? If you have them, um, if you plan on having them in the future, what is your number one priority for your children and your grandchildren? Go ahead and take a second and think of that now. For most of us, if we're honest, the things we want for our children is we want them to be happy adults. We want them to be happy people. We want them to be successful. We want them, if they choose, to, to have a spouse and children. We want them to be independent, right? We want them to be self-sufficient. We want them to move out of our houses. We want them to enjoy life. One of the things I most often hear from parents here is I want them to have it better than I had it. listen to me. There's nothing wrong with those answers. Those are good answers. They're great answers. But you know what they are? They're generic answers. They're the same answers you would get from any group of people in any room. You could ask a room of atheists, what do you want for your children? And it would be those answers. You could ask a room of Muslims, what do you want for your children? And it would be those answers. You could ask Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, agnostics, pick 
a group of people. I don't care. And most likely, they're going to give you a very similar answer. We want our kids to be popular. We want them to be good at sports. We want them to be well-liked. We want them to be smart. We want them to succeed and contribute to the world we live in. That's a common answer, and you're going to get it from everybody. And can I tell you, as we get started on this series, if that's your answer for your kids, you've got an issue. Because if you are a Christ follower, that cannot be your number one priority for your children. It cannot. It can't be the number one priority for your grandchildren. It just simply can't be. That's not what success from you as a godly parent raising hopefully godly children, that's not what success looks like. It doesn't look like they star on the baseball team. They rock it on the soccer field. They're well-liked. They don't cry themselves to sleep at night because they have plenty of friends. Their acne is always under control. They move out when they turn 18. They go to college. They never get drunk. They never experiment with drugs. And then they're happy, successful, married people with kids. Listen, listen, I want that for my children. But if that's what I call success, then I have failed God miserably. Your number one priority is bigger than that. Your number one priority as a Christian parent is to raise children that love Jesus more than they love anything else. Write that down somewhere. Write it down. Remember it. Take a picture of it. Remind yourself every day. Your number one priority as a parent. I don't care how old your kids are. As a grandparent. Is to invest in your kids so that they love Jesus more than they love anything else. Eventually, so that they love Jesus more than they love their own life. I have to give Aubrey five dollars because I'm going to talk about it for a second. I will give it to you. Five bucks. We're in the car the other day. I had a proud dad moment. Um, which really, it has nothing to do with me. It should be a proud mom moment, um, proud youth group moment. By the way, can we stop for a second? Would you stand up? Or if you don't want to stand up because that's awkward, you could just wave your hand in the air. If you have been working with our kids at midweek, either preparing food, serving food, teaching classes, assisting with classes, or helping out in any way um, in our midweek programming, watching babies, whatever it is, or at our youth group on Wednesday nights. Will you stand up or raise your hand or wave it in the air or do something? I, I know you exist. There's like 20 of you that are here every week. I'm so thankful for you guys. I want you to know that. And church, you should be thankful for them too. Our midweek program wrapped up this last Wednesday, so it'll take a break for the summer and it'll kick back up again in the fall. Um, our youth group will continue, but, but it's, it's just such a joy to see all of that happening. And it's great to see how the church can come alongside and help you. The church cannot raise your children. The church cannot teach your children to love Jesus more than they love anything else. But what the church can do is the church can come along and support you. And so when I have a proud dad moment with Aubrey, it really belongs to Carrie, and partly it belongs to everybody else that's poured into Aubrey here at this church. But here's my, my proud dad moment. We're talking, she just recently went through a babysitting class. Man, those things are wicked. Eight hours long, um, she goes to this class. Actually, nine, but they got a lunch break. Um, and part of it was CPR certification. And she was explaining to me in the car that she's not supposed to give mouth to mouth unless she has a face shield, right? Because she could get a disease. This is what they've taught her. And it's, it's true, 
right? And I say, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, you know, and, and I'm, I'm about ready to give her the speech about how you probably want to help the dying person anyway. And she says, that's stupid. I'm going to heaven. I don't know if they are, right? Because what happens is when you raise a child to love Jesus more than they love anything else, eventually that translates even more than they love their own lives. And that's the disciple that Jesus, that God uses. And this is what we're trying to raise as parents. God has given us a gift, a blessing to steward. Okay, and so this is where we're at. We're going to jump in, though. And um, as we deal with this today, okay, as we try to figure out what it looks like to raise children that love Jesus, to raise grandchildren, even if they're out of the house, to bring our children to the point where they love Jesus more than they love anything else, we're going to dig into Deuteronomy 6. It's where we kick off with the parents' priority. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. You can follow along on the screen. We're going to do the first nine verses, Deuteronomy 6. The first couple of verses say this. These are the commands, uh, it says that I give to you. Uh, The Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You, this This is Moses talking now. Moses is talking to the people, and he's saying, God has given me these instructions. I'm giving them to you. This is the second time God has given Moses these instructions. This is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second law. Um, God gave these instructions to Moses to give the Israelites. That was a generation ago. And so now what happens is at the end of his life, Moses is repeating these instructions to this new generation of people. They should know these things. Their parents should have taught them these things, but their parents didn't do an awesome job obeying God. So their parents died in the wilderness. So now Moses is taking on the role of pastor, shepherd, teacher, parent. And he's saying, here's what I need you to know. Don't make the mistake that your parents made. You must obey the commands in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Deuteronomy 5 is the reminding of the Ten Commandments. And so what Moses is saying here is you've been given the Ten Commandments from God. That is a framework that you are to follow. It's a framework that you are to follow. And if when you enter the land, you not only follow, but you teach your children to follow, and you teach your grandchildren to follow, then you will have blessings, and you will enjoy a long life in the land. God teaches us something here. Parents, this is true for everybody, but parents understand this when it comes to raising your children and investing and doing it right. Or when your children are out of the house and you think, what good is it anyway? Listen, there's a principle here at play. Obedience results in blessing. Not in a quid pro quo kind of a way. Not in a, I do for God, so God will give me what I want. That's the prosperity gospel that we're not going to be a part of. But in a way that says, God says, I know what's best for you. And if you will just live a life following the, the, the road, the framework, playing the fence that I gave you, then guess what? Your life is going to be blessed because of it. Obedience results in blessings. Parents of children, we know this. Man, I'm going to have to pay him both five bucks. Travis, Travis had his, his wisdom teeth taken out the other day. 
right? And, and, and the doctor and the nurse were very clear to Travis, like, this is what you do. This is what you don't do, right? Obedience in this area results in blessing. Don't eat food you're not supposed to eat. Change your gauze. Take your pain meds when you're supposed to. Don't be stupid. And guess what? They will heal and you'll be fine. Travis, Travis had horror stories. He was really nervous going into this, this surgery because he had horror stories from his classmates about how terrible it was and how awful it was and this and that. And, and then, you know, ultimately, it, it's like, yeah, it doesn't feel great, but I don't, I don't have a lot of pain. Well, you know what? Obedience results in blessing. And it's not quid pro quo. It's just, I know better. So if you do what I say, then the blessings will be more abundant. And that's the way God has set this up. He knows better. He says, these are the parameters that I want you to live in. Live in them and things will go well. Live outside of them and you're begging for difficulty. Okay? And then he continues in Deuteronomy. He says, okay, so do this. You have a chance to impact generations. Your generation, your children's generation, your children's children's generation. Parents, if we do this well, we can impact and bless multiple generations. Okay? And he continues here. And he starts to give us two keys in the rest of these texts. Two keys to live by. If there is nothing else that you get from this series, there are two things. One, your job is to love is to raise your children to love Jesus more than they love anything else. And the next is these two ways to pull it off. I hope you listen throughout the entire series, but if you just get these, then you'll be, well, you'll be, you'll be better off than you were before. Key number one is this. You've got to love God. I mean, you as an individual have to really love God. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. There's a code there. It's the unspoken truth that comes from that. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You are not God. Your desires are not important in this equation. What you think you deserve, what you think you want, not important in this equation. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Hey, there's a secondary thing here. Parents, some of you need to understand this well. Your children are not your God. Some of you worship your children. And listen to me, you are doing them no favors. You think you're being generous. You think that you're putting them first. You think that you're showing them how big uh, of a priority they are and how important they are. Listen to me, you are doing them no favors when you worship your children. And that's not me talking, that's God talking. He says, there is one Lord. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands that I give you today. You want to raise children that love Jesus more than they love anything else. You want to influence your adult children to love Jesus more than they love anything else. You want to influence your grandchildren to love Jesus more than they love anything else. You want to have an impact on other children in the church just because you have a heart for kids and you want to impact them to love Jesus more than they love anything else. You want to impact your students to love Jesus more than they love anything else. The kids you coach, I don't care what it is. If you want to have this impact, there is one first and foremost foundational thing that must be true. Listen, dig in. 
you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all of your soul with everything that you have you must love God not with a little bit of your heart not with a percentage of your heart not even with half of your heart but you must love God with the entirety of your being more than you love anything else you want your kids to love Jesus guess what Jesus needs to be the thing that you love more than anything else. And you know what? A lot of us are going to nod our heads and we're going to say, well, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, I love God. I love God with my whole heart. But you know what? Most of us, we don't. Most of us love God with a little bit of our heart. Most of us love God with just a fraction of our heart. Can I tell you something? Something that you seriously need to know? Something that I need to be reminded of? Something that, that um, if I could, I would sit each of you down individually, look you in the face, and tell you this truth. When you love God with a little bit of your heart, you are doing more harm than good. When you pay lip service to loving God, but your life, your choices, your actions don't show that it's a true thing, you are actually being counterproductive. Instead of winning the people around you, your children or whoever is watching, instead of winning them to Jesus, you're actually driving them away. Think of it like a flu shot. Who got a flu shot this year? I didn't. I should have, but I didn't. So hopefully, is flu season over? No, okay. So somebody said that with passion. Okay, so hopefully, hopefully I won't get the flu. But when I worked in the school, I didn't have to work hard to get the flu shot, right? Because I'd walk through the front door of the school and the nurse um, was Carol Nichols for a while and then it was Roxanne Schmertman and then um, Jennifer Hanneman, but, but the nurse, as soon as I walked through the front door, would be like, hey, Matt, flu shot time, because they know I hate needles. I'm not a big fan of shots. Um, it's a needle, and they stick it in you, and they do it on purpose, and they act like it's a normal thing. Like, hey, this is just something that happens. No big deal. Like, anywhere else that walks along, if I got stuck with a needle, that would freak me out. Rightly so, but they're like, no, hey, let's do this. It's fun. And then, because some of them were mean, they would have the kids watch. Because I really hate needles. So they would have the kids, hey, kids, come watch Mr. Hans get a shot. You can't really freak out when there's kids watching. So, I mean, maybe they weren't mean, maybe they were smart, but it doesn't matter. Here's what they would do when they would give me the flu shot. You know what they would actually give me? A little bit of the flu. Right? They would give me a little bit of the virus along with some other stuff. They would give me a little bit of the virus. And the whole key to giving me a little bit of the virus was to inoculate me from getting the whole darn thing. The key was to vaccinate me. To keep me from getting it, they would give me just a little bit. Listen to me. If you think loving God just a little bit is going to influence your children, you are absolutely correct. It's just not going to influence them the way that you want. It's going to have the opposite effect. 
If you think that you showing lip service to God and showing your kids, listen to me, some of you do this and some of you need to take a hard look in the mirror and I do this and I need to take a hard look in the mirror. We want to teach our kids that God is a good option. But if God is a good option, then guess what? There are other options. And the problem with giving your kids or the people around you just a little bit of God is that you run a high risk of inoculating them to the glory and the power and the majesty of a life that's sold out to God, what he can do in and through them. It just, guys, listen to me. It's counterproductive. It doesn't work. Some of you teach, again, you act like God is an option and as a good option, but just an option. And you're going to teach your kids something ultimately that you don't want to teach them. And we come from a good place in that. We come from a good place in that. We want our kids to have more than we did. We want them to experience more than we experienced. And so um, we work really hard so that they can have more opportunities. And we want them to be well-rounded and we want them to have all the experiences they want to. So we, what do we do? We get them in dance and gymnastics and soccer and baseball and, and football and camps. And, and we, we want to go on vacations and we take them camping and we get them in all the club things and we get them in everything. And the next thing you know, you know what? Church is another option. Ministry is another option. Service is another option. And all of a sudden, we've given them just a little bit, just enough to vaccinate. And the reason that happens is because they look at our lives and they hear what we say and they see what we do and they don't match up. And so even if they, they get the lip service, there starts to be this disconnect this is a dangerous thing. We have got to be really careful about that. And look, again, I'm not poking and pointing at anyone in particular any more than I'm poking and pointing at myself, but this matters. Look, when mom and dad are serious about their faith, and in this study, this is a real study by Lifeway. You can check it out. See, I'm not just making up numbers. You can do your research. Um, a real study by LifeWay, and serious means I'm showing up at least three weeks a month, no exceptions. Um, I'm involved in one growing opportunity a week. Not that you don't ever miss, but you're involved in one growing opportunity a week, and you have a significant role of service in your church. I don't mean once every eight weeks, once every nine weeks, I cover the nursery. I mean a significant, listen, ooh, time out. I just about said something stupid. Cover the nursery. That's necessary. Who's got babies in the nursery right now? One, two, three, four, five of you. Okay, well, those five people, thank you. Uh, but, right, what I'm, I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, I did my duty once every quarter. I'm talking about an active, regular, meaningful area of regular service at the church. I'm talking about our parents um, and our people that did midweek. Every Wednesday, multiple hours right? You know where those are. Our praise team that's up here all the time, our tech guys, ladies that are up there all the time, right? Opening up the church, cleaning up the church, serving in the church, whatever the case may be, there are regular areas of service. But when this, when they, when they do this research, what they're saying is you're showing up at church three out of four times, 
consistently, at least, you're involved in a weekly growing experience, would be a small group or a class or a discipleship study or a prayer group or something, and you're, you have a regular area of service. When mom and dad both act that way, 72% of the time, their children will pick that up as adults. You want to know how to impact your kids more than anything else if they're still at home or if they're out of the house and you're trying to, you're trying to influence them in this way? Love God with all your heart. Not with a little bit of it. Not with a percentage of it. With your whole heart. Make God your priority. Love him well. When you do that, 72% of the times, that's almost three quarters, your kids will follow suit. Moms, when it's just you, sometimes not a lot you can do about that. That percentage drops dramatically, but we still see it's, it's two and a half times, if you check out, it's two and a half times higher that they'll plug in than if you check out. Dads, please don't underestimate your role here. Don't underestimate this. When you are serious about your faith, and you love God with your whole heart, and the kids see that you love God with your whole heart, not that you just pay lip service to loving God with your whole heart. Dad's just you. Your children are likely to get plugged in. When it's not mom or dad, it's 6%. When it's not mom or dad, it's 6%. And those people matter. And we as a church will minister to those people and we will pour into those people. That's why I want you to hear from Aaron after the service today um, because that's where college ministry is so valuable. My wife is a, is a testament to that. I'm mostly a testament to that, that, that that can still happen. But listen to me. We're talking about parenting and we're talking about raising kids that love Jesus more than they love anything else. And a big part of that is simply this. You love Jesus more than you love anything else. And there are things that happen, and your kids see those things happen, and all of a sudden they know that you don't really love Jesus more than anything else. Or the people watching, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people you want to influence for Christ, they will know you don't really love Jesus more than you love anything else. You love Jesus a little bit, but not like you should, because you know what happens is I ignore Jesus. When he says, don't do that, I do it anyway. When he says, do this, well, I don't feel like it, so I don't. And I start to pick and choose. And you know what? You're not kidding anybody. I hate to beat a dead horse, but, but it goes back to this. The first key to getting your kids to love Jesus more than they love anything else is to be parents who love Jesus more than you love anything else. We keep going in Deuteronomy, though, and, and so that's just one. One thing is we, if we want to influence people, we must love Jesus with our whole heart. That's what, that's what uh, Moses says. That's what um, God institutes is, first thing, you love God with your whole heart. Everything you have, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything. And then you know what? Second half of that, listen, lead. Lead. Don't just love God, but, but lead in loving God. 
So it ends with, with, you know what, if you follow these commandments, you'll be blessed. And here's what you do. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Why? Because if you want to impact your children to love Jesus more than they love anything else, then one, you do it, and two, lead them in it. And this is another place where we have this huge disconnect. I have parents tell me all the time that I'm not going to lead my kids that way. I don't want to influence them. I want to let them decide for themselves what they believe. If you have said something like that, then you need to look in the mirror and you need to cry out to God in repentance because if you sincerely believe that there is a God in heaven and he is real and blessing comes from following him and curses come from rejecting him and heaven is real and hell is real and you are going to say to yourself, but I want my kids to figure out what they think on their own. Repent. Because what you're saying is, I don't mind if my kids decide on their own that they don't want to follow God and they want to end up in hell. Hey, they could be popular and they could be good at sports and they could be productive citizens and they could move out of my house and they could be great. They might end up in hell, but they picked themselves what they thought was right. Listen to me, I get it, right? If, if I wasn't sure and I thought there were a lot of ways to be right with God, and I thought there were a lot of ways to get to heaven, and I thought there were a lot of things that would make me okay with the God of the universe, then I might say to my kids, pick which one is best for you. But this tells me there is one way. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father unless they come through me. Okay then, you know what I'm not going to do? Is I'm not going to sit back and leave it to chance whether or not my kids decide this is for them. It's too critical. Listen, it's too critical. And you're like, I want them to decide for themselves. One, it doesn't make sense to let them decide for themselves. I want to teach them. I don't let them decide for themselves if they want to learn how to read. Right, imagine that parent-teacher conference. I mean, there's enough of you here that teach, right? Jill's a reading specialist, right? You're a reading specialist. I'm not making that up, am I? Jill's a reading specialist. And I go in and I sit down with Jill and she's like, well, are you reading these books at home? And I'm like, they don't really want to. You know what? I'm going to let them decide for themselves if they want to learn how to read. What? I got loud. I made a cry. Sorry. I mean, we would never do that. Sometimes we, we justify it because we think we can put them on pause. We think we can take our kids and we think we can put them on pause. Then when they're old enough, we can sit down and we can hit unpause and we can start to have this conversation and nothing will have changed. But listen to me, somebody is discipling your children. Somebody is discipling your grandchildren. Is it you? Or is it the rest of the world? Because somebody is discipling them. Think of it like this. We've used this analogy before. You get in the canoe, you get in the water, right? You can put the paddle up and think, you know what? When I'm ready, I'll paddle. When I'm ready, I'll get the paddle in the water and I'll start to, to, to pick direction. 
And you might think, because I'm not paddling, that I'm just going to stay right here. But the reality is, there is a current, and it is going to carry you. And by the time you're ready to start paddling, by the time they're 18, 19, and they're adults, and you want to sit down and you want to have these heart-to-heart conversations, they are going to be so far away from where you put the paddle up because the current of this culture is going to have moved them so far off of center. You can't let... You can't let them decide. There is a point where they're going to have to decide. My children, there's a point where they have to decide. Riley, she's 26. Anybody else see that? That was real? Okay. Um, um, Sometimes I'm not sure. Riley's 26, soon to be 27. We got Riley when she was 10. We adopted Riley, and we didn't let her choose. Riley had lived 10 years um, being taught something different or being taught nothing at all and the culture was doing all the teaching, whatever it was. We got her when she was 10 and we did not let her choose. That doesn't mean that she is going to believe forever everything that we taught her to believe. But what it means is that we poured into her specifically so that There was a certain point in her life, and it happened when she was in college, when she had a crisis of faith. And listen, parents, don't freak out about crisis of faith. Every person, every kid will have a crisis of faith. And it's the moment where they will wrestle, is this my faith or is it my parents' faith? Is this what I believe because I believe it or am I just believing what I was always told? Every person will have to wrestle with that, right? But We want them to wrestle with that, having seen the blessings that come from obedience and having seen hearts of people that love them that are completely poured out to the God of the universe, that have been modeled for them so that when they decide, they're making a decision that says, you know what, this is my faith. And that's a big moment. But it doesn't work if you just take your hands off and you say, well, they'll figure it out. Because what they'll figure out isn't, isn't what you hope they'll figure out. Parents, you've got to lead. You've got to lead. You've got to lead your family. You've got to love God more than you love anything else, and you have got to lead your family in loving God more than they love anything else. You cannot let the culture lead. You can't compromise. Craig Groeschel tells the story um, of, of how to walk the line and how to teach why we can't compromise on moral issues. And it was, it was a story about one of their children that wanted to go see an R-rated movie. So they looked up why it was rated R and it was just a little bit of nudity. That's what the kid said. It's just a little bit of nudity. Just a little bit. And so they were like, yes, you can go see the movie. First, you have to help us make brownies. Right? And then after we eat the brownies, after you have some brownies, you can go to the movie. The kid's like, that's the best deal ever, right? We will make brownies. I will eat brownies. Then I can go see the movie I wanted to go see. Um, and so they, they, they get the batter all ready, and, and the mom says, okay, just one more thing. Take this, and she gives this little scoop. Go get some dog poop. Kid's like, this is weird but I really want to go see the movie, and I'm, I'm, she's not going to make it. Okay, go, go. Gets it, brings it back. She's like, oh, no, 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 that's way too much. You just need a little bit, just a little bit of dog poop. 
throws most of it away, puts the rest in the batter, makes the brownies, and says, you can go to the movie as soon as you eat one. Of course, the, the daughter is incredulous, won't eat the poop brownie, because I could see where that could have backfired. Won't eat the poop brownie. And, and, and of course, the moral of the story is this. It just takes a little bit. It just takes a little bit of ungodliness to ruin the batch. And I don't know um, that the child understood or that the child got it. But you know what? It was great for me to hear and read. And hopefully it's instructive for you. It just takes a little bit to ruin. Don't compromise. Lead. But you've got to lead from a position of moral authority. You've got to not compromise for yourself. And then you've got to not compromise for your kids and grandkids. So how do you do it? Here's the two things you need to know. And we're going to talk throughout this series about ways to parent well. But uh, in, in ways that honor God. But first two things. One, you personally love God more than you love anything else. Do not inoculate your children to the love of God by giving them just a little bit. Two, lead. Lead. How do you lead? You train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. train them up. You know what that word is? Uh, that word for train, I wrote it down because I'll never remember it. Because it's Hebrew. Uh, to train them up is, let me find my right page, Hanak. You got to do that thing with your age that makes it sound like you got a bunch of spit in there. If you're going to speak Hebrew, Hanak. Here's what that word means. Um, it's the word, the Hebrew word, okay, that refers to the palate of a baby in the baby's mouth. And here's where it comes from. What would happen is the Hebrew midwives, when a child was born, would, would dip their finger in a little bit of paste. And they would put the paste on the palate, the chanak of the baby, to induce hunger and that sucking. And that was to aid in teaching them to nurse. And so that's the word that the psalmist, or, the, or, or the, that, uh, that Solomon uses here in Proverbs. When you are to train up a child, you are to give them a hunger for the things of God. Train them up. Give them a hunger for the things of God, the way that they should go, so that they can see what it is to live a godly life, and they can see what the blessings of living a godly life are like. And when they're older, they'll crave it. They won't depart from it. Creating a hunger. Now, there are seven very specific things. If you've got a note page, you'll see them on your note page. We don't have time to go through them now, but I gave them to you. Seven very specific things from Proverbs about things that we can be training them up in. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plug our podcast. It happens on um, every other Tuesday. This Tuesday, when we podcast, we'll be podcasting about those seven ways and the Proverbs that are associated with them. So you can have your notes there, but you can dig into that podcast and listen in, and we'll very clearly be talking about what are the seven ways, right, in Proverbs that you can start training up your child in the way that they should go. Okay? 
Um, who's up there? Can you skip to the very last slide? Appreciate that. Um, and as we do that, I'm going to invite the praise team to come up and uh, Pastor David, and they'll get ready to close us out. But I want to remind you this. So here's your so what for today. Here's what I need you to do. Make Jesus your main priority. Love God with your whole heart. If that means you need to cut, ruthlessly cut sin out of your life, then cut sin out of your life. If it means you just need to reprioritize what you thought was good, reprioritize what you thought was good. Make a commitment to lead your family spiritually. Make a commitment to do that. Don't just hope it happens, but lead in it. Make prayer for your kids a priority. Still my favorite small group ever with all deference to all small groups that I've been in. And I've been in some awesome small groups, but my favorite short-term small group ever was the one where we just prayed for each other's kids where we just talked about what do we want for our kids and how do we want to pray for them? And we just spent 10 weeks praying for each other's kids. I still pray for those kids. And I hope and trust that those parents are still praying for mine. And if you don't have children, then make it a priority to pour into the next generation. Work hard at it. Last one. We've got another picture of Aaron and Holly. And I just wanted you to see them again. Because, why not? I mean, they're a good-looking family. Um, and they are going to be here. Get your kids. Come on back for a few minutes after the service. Um, let's hear about their ministry. Uh, remember that 6%. Also, kids that are like Riley, who are at college, trying to figure out, is this my faith or is this somebody else's faith? Such a critical time. Uh, for kids that, that are trying to figure that out. Such a critical time for kids that have never had it. Um, this is the ministry that they do. You're going to hear about their ministry on college campuses in Cedar Rapids. And so I want to encourage you to stick around for that. But let me pray for you, and then the praise team will take it over. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your word and its instruction. Help us to be mindful not to vaccinate our children to the things of God, but instead totally show them what it means to love God with our whole hearts and to lead them well so that we can train them up and they can see the benefits of godly living and they can create a hunger and a craving for it. Father, we love you and we praise you. Amen.